0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live.
1: Welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm David Ignatius, a columnist for the Post. Our guest today is Ehud Olmert, former prime minister of Israel, who's just published a new book, Searching for Peace, a memoir of Israel. I first met former prime minister Olmert when he was mayor of Jerusalem long ago. Great to have you as a guest on Washington Post Thank Live. Thank you. Thank you. I'm So, a good idea. Mr. Prime Minister, I want to talk to you about your book, but I want to start with the subject that's on all of our minds these days yeah. and weeks, and that's the war in Ukraine. You wrote an op-ed uh, when the war began, saying it was inconceivable, in your mind, that uh, a Western democracy like Israel would not fully back its ally the United States, Israel uh, did not endorse an initial UN Security Council resolution condemning uh, Russia's actions in invading uh, Ukraine. Why did Israel seek to to balance the longstanding relationship it has with the US uh, with its relationship with Putin's Russia in your mind? Uh, And what do you think the Israeli reaction to that is?
0: Well, the truth is that, uh, you know, subsequently, we uh, voted for the um, uh, resolution against Russia in the General Assembly, but we didn't join the uh, initiating countries, including America, at the beginning, which was uh, regrettable, and I criticized it. Uh, the, uh, The arguments which were used by some in Israel never explicitly by the uh, prime minister or any of the senior government uh, officials, was that we have some uh, sensitive areas in the north, which are influenced by the Russians. And in order not to upset the Russians and perhaps also break the uh, the kind of uh, tacit cooperation that we have with Russia in the north, we should uh, stay a little bit aside in this conflict. Uh, that was more or less the uh, explanation. And I thought that it was, uh, as, I, as you called me, outrageous and uh, entirely unacceptable. Uh, number one, uh, there are some interests that we have in the North, and it may, they may be influenced by Russia, but I think that we can deal with it. And I think that we don't have to uh, uh, be concerned with the possible disturbance of the Russians in the event that we want to attack the Iranians. Which are, are posing a, a genuine threat to the security of Israel, and they are uh, in, in Syria. There is a problem there, but it can be handled. And I think that the issue of uh, Russia, uh, Russia's invasion in uh, Ukraine is even before uh, our commitments to our allies. I don't think that Israel can afford itself. To be, uh, to to uh, stuttering, to to uh, not to be clear cut when one country invades another sovereign country without any threat, without any reason, just because it has some uh, kind of uh, tears or historical memories or, or some kind of a balance that they want to uh, change in the geopolitical situation. This is totally unacceptable and had to be criticized outright by the Israeli government. Then, of course, there is also the uh, sensitivities and the uh, needs and the positions of our allies. Israel, um, uh, um, uh, the United States, President Biden, are the best friends that Israel has. And I don't want, and that's what I said, I don't want to find Israel in a position where, when we are in a, in, a, in a similar, or, or not even similar, but in a danger, that uh, our best friends say, well, there are pros and there are cons, why we should support, why we shouldn't support, perhaps we stay a little bit aside. This is not something that we would want America to do to us, never did, in the whole history of the State of Israel. And therefore, I thought that on both issues, on the fundamental moral and political issue, to start with, we had to say clear and and, and without any hesitations. And also because uh, I think that this is what we owe to our friends, especially to the friends that we ask for help uh, so often. And this is the United States of America and President Biden.
1: So let me ask you, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, one benefit of this uh, Israeli position of uh, some balance, uh, if you will, is that it allowed your Prime Minister, Nefpali Bennett, to play a role as a mediator between uh, President uh, Putin in Russia and President Zelensky in Ukraine. Uh, as uh, a number of us have written, there's been quite extensive diplomacy with Bennett flying to Moscow uh, on the phone repeatedly with Zelensky. Uh, an invitation that uh, the Israeli government apparently has made to to Putin and Zelensky to come to Jerusalem for peace talks. What's your d- judgment about Israel playing a role as mediator in this conflict? This is one of those conflicts where it looks like one side is right, the Ukraine, and one side is wrong, uh, Putin's Russia and its lawless invasion. Are you comfortable with the intermediary position?
0: Well, David, let me say this. If there is a chance that uh, by talking uh, with the Russians and with the Ukrainians, and of course, consulting with President Biden, the American administration, and others, Germans, the French, we can be helpful in stopping this invasion, then uh, why not? But uh, I don't know the details, and therefore I have to be very careful. But my presumption, presumption is that I don't believe that the Prime Minister of Israel, when talking to Putin, said, you know, I can understand uh, your problems and I'll try to convey to you the problems of the uh, Ukraines." Uh, this is not what is expected and I, don't, I hope that this is not what uh, Prime Minister Bennett is doing. Uh, the fact is that the Russians talked to uh, Bennett In spite of the fact that we voted against Russia in the General Assembly, and that there are more and more uh, calls uh, coming from uh, Jerusalem against the invasion in a very uh, explicit manner now, much more than before. Uh, I think that the Russians, uh, I'm not surprised by the way, one has to understand the Russians. There is no way that President Putin will uh, agree to. talk directly to President Biden in as long as there are sanctions and the uh, actions which were taken, justly so, by the way, by the uh, President of the United States, leading the entire Western world and even beyond the Western world. So for Putin, it is very comfortable to find such uh, a a representative or such a person as Bennett is not a, uh, a superpower, is not one of the leaders, or doesn't appear to be one of the leaders of the efforts taken against Russia, and therefore it is preferable for him, and you'd have done it even had Israel criticized him from the very beginning in a much more um, uh, explicit and aggressive manner. Uh, so uh, the, look, the Russians uh, know how to play the games, sometimes better than us. Uh, they then don't take it as a personal matter, if we criticize them or not. They look for someone that is not a superpower, that is not a major European power, is not Boris Johnson, is not uh, 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 Manuel Macron, is, of course, not President Biden. You know, we can talk with, with Bennett, because Bennett is not such a threat that we have to be aware of or afraid of. And and, uh, I hope that uh, this is more or less the reason why we are in uh, this uh, process. Uh, In no way, I hope, the fact that we are prepared to contribute to the resolution of this is an evidence that we, uh, that we are prepared to equate us in any form or manner with this terrible invasion, with the destruction and the, uh, the killing of thousands of uh, people and making millions of Ukrainians uh, refugees. This is totally unacceptable right. and will not be acceptable under any circumstances.
1: We all have our eyes on this uh, diplomacy, as you do. We'll see how it it turns out. Israel does have a fascinating relationship with Russia, uh, in part because there are so many Israelis of Russian origin today. It's a very large community in Israel. Some of those um, uh, uh, Israelis from Russia and indeed from Ukraine are people we describe as oligarchs. And we have a question from one uh, of our audience members, Adele Karmas from Canada, who wants to ask you, given that some oligarchs are Jewish with citizenship in Israel, what sanctions do you think Israel should impose on them?
0: Well, I, uh, I think that uh, there are very few, by the way. I, uh, I think it's been blown out of any proportion. But uh, the, uh, the properties, Uh, of the uh, oligarchs, including those who are Israeli citizens, which are a few uh, of them only, has all been confiscated and sanctioned uh, because it's outside of the state of Israel. So there is not much that we can do, even had the government wanted to do something, because I don't think that the Russians have any property in Israel. The huge, the, 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 the wealth of these guys is spread all over the world. Uh, largely in America, in Great Britain, in Europe, and so on. And there is not much that, uh, if at all, that we can do to uh, take uh, away from them uh, their wealth. Uh, Maybe they have just a private house, uh, many of them, if at all.
1: So I want to turn to your your book, uh, Mr. Prime Minister. You wrote this book... Uh, while you were serving time in prison for accepting an illegal campaign contribution, the first chapter, it's really interesting, is titled The View from Cell Block 10. So I want to ask you a a blunt, uh, straight-up question, as we say in America. What was that experience like for you as a former prime minister, somebody from the very top of society in Israel, and what did you learn when you were in jail?
0: Well, number one, um, it's important because I saw the headlines before. Uh, I was not convicted for bribery. I was convicted that uh, uh, whether it was or not is a different issue, but that uh, uh, my, uh, my office accepted a contribution of uh, approximately $15,000 to cover uh, campaign dates. That was the uh, conviction. Uh, I always denied it, but, uh, and, I, and it never happened. And there was a conspiracy there, but I don't want to go into this. I was convicted. And the question was whether I have to bow my head and say to the Supreme Court of the State of Israel, whether I agree with you, I don't agree with you, I like it, it's just, it's not just, and it's definitely not just. What do I do? And I thought that a decent person that believes in law and order and believes in the Constitution, in in the uh, the, uh, supremacy of law, is to bow his head and to say, I will pay the price, uh, whether I like it or not, because a- every citizen is equal. And uh, as a result, I had to serve a period of time in, in-, in jail. Uh, first of all, I spent most of the time uh, uh, writing uh, my original book in Hebrew, which is much thicker than the one that I published in America, because there are so many other things that may interest Israelis, but not necessarily uh, the potential American leaders which I'm interested in. Uh, What did I learn? First of all, I learned what I always knew uh, in, in theory, but I didn't practice it personally, is that all the citizens are equal to the law, whether you're prime minister or not. Now, this is a painful experience, no doubt about it. But uh, I must say that, uh, you know, I emerged out of it with uh, a lot of uh, confidence because the reaction that I get, the the number of books that I sold in Israel, is maybe not a a, a, a strong enough proof, but the uh, number of uh, people that approach me that, that uh, strengthened me, that expressed the support in me, uh, were very uh, encouraging and comforting. And uh, uh, ultimately the bottom line is that uh, I learned that uh, sometimes, whether you want it or not, whether you planned it or not, it's good to be humble and uh, not to uh, lose your sense of proportion about yourself. And I hope I didn't.
1: That's 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 powerful, well said. Let me ask you about a subject that's always on Israel's mind and on ours too here in, in the United States, and that's Iran. There were reports last night in the press that an Iranian cyber group had launched cyber attacks against Israeli targets in retaliation for what it was claimed in these news reports was a failed Israeli attack on the Fordo nuclear complex, which is Iran's most advanced, sophisticated nuclear facility. I wanna ask you if there's any light you can shed on that incident, and more generally, whether you support the reported activities by Israel's uh, secret services, the Mossad, other, other units, uh, to uh, prevent Iran uh, by sometimes these covert uh, operations against Iran and its scientists from getting a nuclear weapon?
0: Well, number one, indeed yesterday, uh, there, there was a cyber uh, attack. Uh, initiated by uh, Iranian hackers or probably, uh, uh, you know, representatives of some government agency against uh, um, uh, government websites in Israel. It was uh, controlled within an hour, but it caused a certain degree of uh, embarrassment and and, uh, inconvenience. Uh, The Iranians are uh, quite uh, capable And that's precisely why we think that we have to be very careful uh, when they say that they want to have a a nuclear power and that they want to liquidate the state of Israel. They are capable. They have uh, good uh, mathematicians. uh, They are not a backward country. But I want to tell you two things. Number one, I don't know that there is any country which is more sophisticated, more stronger, more innovative than Israel. In cyber So uh, I, I, I'm absolutely confident that uh, there can be a response uh, in this area or in these measures uh, by Israel that can be much more painful uh, to anyone that will try to attack us. That's number one. Number two, the, the, the question is really we have to make up our mind do we want to have an outright frontal open attack against iran or do we uh, rely on the judgment of uh, the american administration that is prepared to uh, uh, to um, reach an agreement that will uh, reduce the danger of an iranian nuclear power in the future And at the same time, uh, we will do ourselves what we think we can do in order to facilitate this process of reducing the danger of Iranian nuclear power. Uh, I think that we have to cooperate with America. This was my position when President uh, uh, Obama was president and he signed the original agreement. I thought that that was not the best agreement not the ideal agreement, but much it improved the status of this. Uh, situation much more than what it was before. And it was a terrible mistake by President Trump to have uh, withdrawn from this agreement. And I think now, I trust that President Biden cares enough about the security of Israel, and it definitely doesn't want Iran to uh, possess nuclear power. So I'm I'm confident that he will uh, take care of that aspect. As about uh, the other activities, I am prepared to say this, I can't say everything that I know, and I can't say say everything that uh, uh, was done in the past. I was Prime Minister of Israel for a few years, and I spent a lot of time dealing with the Iranians. Israel is enormously resourceful and powerful. There are many things that we can do that ought to be done, and that we did and they will continue to do in order to uh, prevent the possible development of a nuclear program uh, a military nuclear program in Iran and the less we talk about it is better so i i don't want to leave you without an answer yes there are certain things that ought to be done that were accomplished by israel in the past that will be done in the future, I have no doubt about it. But uh, I think that the best strategy is to do things quietly, without uh, taking any uh, open responsibility, covert operations, as you call it. And uh, I'm uh, certain that the Iranians uh, understand very well what I say, and uh, I don't think that uh, we need to say more.
1: So. You are uh, unusual among prominent Israeli politicians in that you have directly, in our interview today and in your book, said that you support uh, uh, return to the JCPOA, as the Iran nuclear deal is is called. Is it is it your judgment that a majority of the Israeli security establishment, and by that I mean the military, the Mossad, the other intelligence services, would agree with that position, that they basically think it's better to have Iran back in the deal. What do you think?
0: Well, I can say that uh, out of personal direct knowledge that most of the Israeli security establishment was in favor of the agreement that was signed by President Obama when it was signed. Most of the uh, high ranking Israeli officials that are dealing with these issues were appointed by me at that time when Obama signed the agreement. And I summoned each and every one of them. And I asked them, what do you say about this agreement? What do you think about this agreement? Is it a danger to Israel? Or is it better for Israel's security and uh, uh, regarding the fears that we have to have this agreement rather than not to have it. There was not a single person that said that the agreement is bad. Most of them said that the agreement is not ideal, and I thought it was not ideal. It could have been better. Perhaps had Israel cooperated with uh, the Obama administration in a much more open and sincere manner at that time, we would have been uh, part of the, uh, at least behind the scenes process, and we may have influenced the uh, the content of that agreement, and, and I think that uh, that should be the strategy right now. But uh, I think, by and large, every Israeli that was of in any position of influence or of involvement in the nuclear issue agreed that it was better to have the agreement that Obama signed, and that hoping that the agreement that will be signed now by President. Uh, Biden will be more or less the same, it's better to have that agreement rather than to uh, engage uh, in uh, endless uh, uh, verbal provocations uh, and, and exchanges of threats uh, between us and the Iranians. And what needs to be done, uh, as I said, in covert operations in a very careful manner will probably have to be done.
1: So I want to ask you, uh, Prime Minister, about uh, your assessment of current Prime Minister Naftali Bennett. He leads the most unlikely coalition in Israeli political history that I'm aware of, stretching from the far right from his own uh, Yamina party through the center uh, with uh, Lapid as coalition partner. All the way yeah. to the Arab list, uh, an Islamist party. We've never seen anything like this in Israeli politics. What do you think about it? Is that a path forward that makes sense for Israel, this kind of broad coalition as a way to get some new blood, some new government uh, in place?
0: Well, we all know that Israel is the country of miracles. So this is America. There is no other way that you can describe it but that this is a miracle. Uh, I'm very happy about it, and I'm not supportive, uh, politically I'm not supportive of Bennett. I told him several times that, you know, I wonder every morning that I wake up and I pray for the success of Naftali Bennett as Prime Minister of the State of Israel. I didn't didn't vote for him, I didn't support him, I don't agree with his uh, positions about the uh, Middle East and about the... Uh, possible Palestinian uh, peace agreement between us uh, and them. But it was essential, it was very important, it was critical for the State of Israel to get rid of the uh, uh, government uh, that was led by Netanyahu. And uh, I think that uh, the uh, creation of this coalition is a miracle, but it reflects the sentiment of so many Israelis, they just got sick and tired and, and sad and outraged by the continued uh, prime ministership of Netanyahu. So, everything was uh, almost everything, of course, within reason was acceptable. And number two, which is not unimportant, is we need to reunite this polarized society. Of Israel. And the very fact that, in spite of all the differences between right and left, between Yamina and the Arab Muslim fundamentalist radical party, uh, that those two uh, extremes can cooperate and sit together in one coalition is a very good message for the people of Israel that there is a way. To unite our society in spite of the many differences which exist uh, within uh, the State of Israel, and that's why I am happy. Uh, how long it will uh, prevail, I really, uh, I will not, I will not try to uh, suggest any time framework. But I think that it will, it it has to take long enough to forget from Netanyahu and the Likud. And uh, in as long as it uh, will last, it's good for Israel.
1: So we have just a little time left. I wanna ask you one final question, Mr. Prime Minister. You probably came as close as any Israeli Prime Minister to getting a peace agreement with the Palestinians. I remember covering it. I remember the map that was said to have been drawn and, and shared, but it didn't happen. Uh, we're now in a different space politically, both Israel and the Palestinians. I want to ask you honestly whether the two-state solution, as you imagine it, is now basically dead. It's a, it's a moment in time that's really passed. David,
0: if this solution is dead, we are in a terrible trouble, in a deep trouble, and therefore, I simply can't accept it. There is no alternative to a two-state solution. Uh, we were very close. Uh, Mahmoud Abbas and myself were really very, very close. He kept saying time and again, until today, that had I uh, remained another three uh, months in power in Israel, there would have been now, for years, peace between Israel and the Palestinians. And, Uh, And uh, the fact that I was so close to make peace is perhaps one of the reasons why I was forced out, but this is a a much longer story than the time that we have right now. What I want to say is this, Uh, President Obama and President Bush, by the way, and President Clinton, they all shared the same possible, uh, the same uh, attitude, that the only way uh, to resolve this conflict is for the Palestinians to establish an independent, sovereign Palestinian state, which will be based on the more or less on the 67 borders, and that uh, the uh, security needs of the state of Israel will be taken care of, and that the Palestinian state will not be militarized, and uh, I think that this was more or less my my uh, solution. It was the only possible solution. There is no alternative to this solution. It requires leadership. It requires courage. It requires strength. And uh, it requires also the ability, which I'm looking uh, and trying to find in the leadership here and amongst the Palestinians. They also, it requires the ability to take the risk that you will be kicked out like I was, and to risk everything in order to try and achieve that, which is most important, more than anything else, for the survival of your country. So when you are faced with this kind of challenge, you also need to be able to say, okay, maybe I'll be kicked out, maybe I'll lose, maybe I'll collapse, maybe I will be voted out by by uh, my opposition. But I have to try it if I think that there is no other alternative to the future and the security and the, and the morality of my country. And this is what I think now. And therefore, I can't agree with you, and I hope that there will be leadership that will t- look forward with this kind of courage and commitment.
1: So... Prime Minister Ehud Olmert, the former Prime Minister, I want to thank you for a fascinating conversation about your, your career and the issues. The book is searching for peace. Uh yeah. we really appreciate your joining us. Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostlive.com.